The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 6, Chats on 5. My name is Alan, and look around! These are chaotic times, Captain! Oh, I'm simply an instrument of my time. People need to understand fear. Do you understand fear? Do you, Magellan? No, no. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> Jakar's little voice. Uh, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> he's so stupid. Just the best gremlin. He's oh, so he's no. so happy. Uh, we'll talk about that later. This hey, is Chancellor Five, oh, the yeah, Babylon. Sure. Oh, no. well, I just thought we could, you know, it's been a year since we recorded our last set of episodes, so I thought we could, thought we could talk and reconnect as friends. Yeah, we record these in batches, everybody. I don't know if people know that, but uh, every year, Alan and I go on a on a winter retreat to uh, <laughs> our lodge in Vermont, and we watch just this, the whole season of Babylon Five. Uh, and through the magic of editing, we make it seem as if we're recording. Uh, in different weeks, but mm-hmm. it's really all that one magical weekend, the ma- Boxing, it, Boxing Day weekend. <laughs> it's actually a cool way to the- theoretically to record a podcast. Is you just record a lot of it once a year, and then yeah. well, we kind of do do that. But um, do us. you know the show Freedom on Earwolf? No, it's just like Scott Ackerman, Paul F. Tompkins, and Lauren Lapkus. Uh, talking as themselves uh-huh. <laughs> it's wow. so funny to me by the way that like they have uh, earned such a reputation for being characters and being strange that it's a treat for them to be normal people doing a podcast um anyway they'll do it it seems as if they record batches of like three or four episodes at once mm-hmm. and so they're constantly like Wait, are we referencing something that we talked about two episodes ago? Or uh, <laughs> did we bring this up the last time we did this? Shoot. Yeah, yeah, I remember thinking that with Scott Ackerman, especially. And then you showed me that he did like an interview podcast where he was interviewed by someone. And I was like, what? He, Scottabot is a person? This is. <laughs> yeah. Because he's even done things where it's him, his name, and he's not himself. So, yeah, like the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like you can Bang Bang. Uh, That's show, yeah. And yeah, so. I, yeah. I I find that stuff really interesting, but thanks, uh, folks, for allowing us to just just talk to each other for a bit. Because yeah, I mean, Alan, you looks you look so handsome by the firelight and of the of this fireplace, this roaring fireplace. And Our dog just, Lanier is here. It's warm. Oh, it's oh, cold outside. What'd warm. you bring me? Oh, what is this? <laughs> oh, it's it's your show notes. Oh, these are going to be really useful, buddy. Wow. Oh, thanks. Oh no, he really—he's a big Zach Allen fan. That's no, no it's like a lot of lick marks, specifically on any time a page says Zach oh, Allen. <laughs> Under his paw print, it just says Lou Welch. What could this mean? It's a cryptid. <laughs> uh, anyway, everybody, this is a show where we watch Babylon Five, the classic program. Two episodes of it a week, and we talk about those two episodes. Alan, what did we watch this week? Well, Magellan, with this week we watched season three. Episode 1, Matters of Honor, as well as Season 3, Episode 2, Convictions. Matters of Honor, the season premiere, was written by JMS. It was directed by Kevin G. Creeman. It aired November 6, 1995, which, for those playing at home, was five days after the fall of night. Interesting. Like, five days of, like, real time. They just Hmm. started Season 3. So... The yeah. break must have been somewhere else because this doesn't, I don't know. We'll talk about the way this feels as a season premiere. But it takes place 
uh, between December 27th of 2259 and January 9th, Happy New Year of 2260. Magellan, what happens in Matters of Honor? In this episode, the Babylon 5 crew is presented with a new weapon with which to fight the growing shadow threat. An official from Earth Force comes to the station to investigate Lieutenant Keffer's recording. God rest his soul. God rest, God his, rest soul. his soul. God rest his soul. I like that his legacy on the show is <laughs> in the control room. They're talking about where where did this thing come from, this recording? <laughs> it's just Sheridan and Ivanova saying, uh, he did this stuff without our approval. We t- kept telling him not to do it, and he did it anyway, and he's fucked everything up. <laughs> and now he's dead. But he's dead now, and that doesn't. we don't care about that guy. It Screw seems, that guy. It seems fitting. Yeah, what a way to go, honestly. Uh, this episode starts weird. This is why I felt like this wasn't even framed as a season premiere because it kind of just picks up like seemingly a couple days after uh, the fall of night and Kosh and Sheridan are speaking to each other and Sheridan's like, you know, Kosh, that thing you did where you cracked open your big gob and showed me hot Jesus was really weird. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? And then Kosh is like, no. <laughs> It's like, thanks, Kosh. I'd rather not. (laughs) It's like, Kosh, like, everybody saw you. That's, like, a crazy thing you did. Like, do you not... Can we, like, get into this? Can you stop being avoidant for five minutes and just, like, tell me what you mean and what you did? (laughs) Nah. Nah, chill. Chill. Uh, We cut to some, I think, Drazi in space. It's not clear. It's just, like, weird aliens. And then... Uh, we are in a different place and a handsome British guy is coming to Babylon 5. And you're like, wow, that's exciting. Uh, and then we get the new opening, this brand new, sparkling, shiny, fresh opening, um, which I have a lot of thoughts on. Uh, first of all, the opening narration, which is now being done by Ivanova, is fantastic. Like, sincerely, this is my favorite narration the show has done so far. Please don't tease me. This is my first podcast. Please don't tease me. Uh, do we have this pulled up somewhere? I think we do. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically just Babylon 5 is our last best hope for peace. And then we really we really mucked it up. We, real go- we goofed that one. <laughs> we goofed it, but real good. Death, death. Five but straight minutes of war and fighting. In the year of the Shadow War, which is just getting name dropped now. We're not even beating around it like the the, the holy war. It yeah, became something great greater. War, yeah. Our last best hope, like long beat for victory. victory. And then straight to the point. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. And then... Phew, uh, Bruce Boxleitner as Captain John Sheridan. It's like this, like sitcom esque, like turns forty five degrees to the camera. Yeah, like, hey, that, that part's kind of cheesy. Yeah, and and they're all they're not even like consistent in the type of face that they make because some of them are like a light smile, like Ivanova and Sheridan's is like, hey, and then Garibaldi's is like that, and yeah, then is so silly. Hey, what's up? Uh, and then like some of them turn around and look like deadly serious. And then some of them like barely look at the camera, and then Veers is just like vague existential stress. Right, Jakar's is—he's like just finished weeping. It looks so <laughs> distraught. His makeup looked weird in that. I did. It did kind of look like he just cried, or his the lighting or something. Yeah. Um. And then two weird additions. We have uh, Jeff Conaway as Zach Allen. Cool. Great. He made it. He finally made it. I'm so proud. I'm just so proud. That's your man's right there. Uh, we got yeah. So it's in order: Sheridan, Ivanova, Garibaldi, Delenn, Franklin, Lanier, Jason Carter as Marcus Cole. What that British guy has a name already? I love that when you don't know who they are, but then the the credits are like, "Here's who they are." You dummy! <laughs> You're like, "Thanks." Yeah. Because we don't even say his last name. I think they only say his name is Marcus in the actual episode. I think uh, so. Yeah. And then Veer, Zach Allen, Jakar, and end it all with our man himself, Ambassador Lando Malari. Uh looking very serious the most owned man in space <laughs> he's uh, the second to last the jakar's the last one is he oh, okay you're right yeah i think uh, they switched it i think it used to be the other way yes this wiki is incorrect uh franklin has a strange patient who disappears when he turns his back who was that oh i don't remember now you know what i'm talking about right where he's like came to any coming to anything yeah he was, who ta- was that what 
huh, we might be missing something. We're either dummies or that is a thread. <laughs> Which is every time I talk about Babylon 5, I'm like, either we missed something or that was a thread that we totally forgot about. Unconscious man from earlier. They didn't even mention who the unconscious man was. Which guy? Whatever. Point is, uh, Franklin's back. He's he's doing things. Mysterious things are happening. And then, getting right into it, our man, Mr. Morton, <laughs> is back. Exactly. And I'm like, no, please don't. I'm just, I had like actual dread seeing him back. And oh alive. my God, I know. The show is so good at making us scared of him. He just walks in like, hey, what's up? And you're like, no, please don't be here. This guy and this actor's playing it perfectly. He really is, yeah. Yeah. And I, I love how gradually over time we see Morden getting more and more annoyed with the people that he's puppeting. Um, yeah, he has a personality now, too. Yeah, because at first he was just this sort of evil Satan is a handsome man kind of character. Yeah. Uh-huh. But now he's like, Londo, I'm sick of your shit. <laughs> if you want to try to get away from this uh well good for you we and then yeah londo's like please like can i i'm glad i'm glad you helped i'm glad the narn home world is ours now i'm glad we have you know room to maneuver and take over the rest of the galaxy you're done though we have danced our last little dance mr warden now it is time for you to go away and then not only is mr morton like sure dude for sure i'm definitely gonna do that he goes Come back in this afternoon. We'll meet tonight. Sounds good. I already told you it sounds good. You don't get to back out of this. Okay, bye. Um, and basically, they talk later. And just to wrap this up, Morden is like, okay, so here's the rules, Mr. Malari. Uh, here's a line. And he like has this dumb hologram of like the Centauri-controlled territory. Draws a line down basically like 25% of it and says, like, this is ours. Don't touch anything here. Don't touch anything. But other than that, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We won't fight you guys. We'll never touch you if you don't touch us. There's just this one planet that may or may not have rangers on it that we really want. Anyways, that's it. Do you get what do you think about this? I don't care because I'm already doing it. It's like he's not presenting Londo with a choice, even though Londo initiated this deal as if he thought he had a choice. Right. Extreme power move. What we find out in this exchange. Is that Londo's like, okay, yeah, sounds good. I got what I wanted. And uh, Morden's like, great. Okay, cool. Lord Rifa has already sent the uh, ships over there, the message, and uh, we should be good. And Londo's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Rifa? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my new best friend, actually. Uh, maybe you've heard of him. You, you guys have met. That's cool. That's cool. Anyway, yeah, so I'm just going to talk to Rifa now about all of this stuff. And you've accomplished nothing. The closest equivalent I have, and you've accomplished yeah. nothing. <laughs> the closest real life equivalent I have is when you have a new friend that you talk to exclusively, and then they meet your old friend, and you're like, "Wait, no, but," and you, yeah, how did? <laughs> when did you? And they're like, "Yeah, we get drinks every Sunday." You're like, "Wait, no, wait, I thought." No, you've taken me out of the loop. No, I'm not in the group text anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's super that. Uh, and then we get introduced to this guy, David Endawi, who's doing like eleven accents at once. Um, he's doing like a little bit of Russian in my life, a little bit of African (laughs) by my side. And he's from earth government, I guess. And he's basically here to ask around. He actually seems kind of harmless. He doesn't seem that scary um, himself, but you know, we learned at the end of the episode. (laughs) Yeah. And we learned at the end of the episode that he's also a puppet. So it's not like he was going to do anything, but he's an information gatherer. And he asks Sheridan and company if they know anything about the shadow and says that basically right now, Earth government is telling the people of Earth that uh, they know what the shadows are. And they're like, oh, it's nothing. We took care of it. There was only one of them. This is not a problem. Don't worry about it. So that's what Earth knows. But he's like, if it is a problem, I want to know about it. And I want to know if you guys know about it. Delenn, have you heard of the shadows? And she's like, honestly, dude, seems fake. Never even heard of a shadow. I don't even see my own shadow in here. Uh, Sheridan, do you know what a shadow is? And he looks away, like clearly lying, and is like, man, I don't fucking know. Don't ask me. And then, and Dowie's like, all right, you guys are useless. Thank you. I'm going to ask everybody else now. And he walks out, and they're like, shit. So we got to go. We got to do some stuff. (laughs) It's Hmm. time to gather. Uh, 
And then uh, he talks to Londo. Londo gets really nostalgic and remembers the dream. Not nostalgic, but like sadly wistful and remembers the dream of him seeing shadow ships on Centauri Prime. And he also goes to Jakar, who is like, yeah, finally, somebody wants me to do a monologue. And he opens his mouth and the scene cuts away. And you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But he opens up his book and he's like, yeah, dude, I I, I know everything about these guys. Uh, I'll show you all my info. I love the way he pronounces Jaquan. Jaquan. And then the, and Zawi's like, Jaquan? He's like, yeah. Uh, Who the hell is Jaquan? That's it. Oh, he's, like, only the coolest, he's only the coolest rock star ever. He's my older brother and he's real, I swear. He's in the military. <laughs> Everybody knows his later books, but I'm a fan of his older prophecies. I remember when it was about the music. <laughs> Everybody nowadays listens or reads the copies of people's copies of his books. But I've painstakingly, stroke by stroke, copied the original release releases. The LP. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's prophecy. That's what that stands for. Can we just can we just recognize Long that, that was actually a pretty good Jakar impression? That was really good. Can Thank we you. recognize it? No. How about no? We can't recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. I just wanted to know if we could recognize it. Uh-uh. The answer is uh-uh. Okay. Um, it seems from all these different scenes that the shadows are probably going to either attack Centauri Prime or like make a move on them because, you know, Londo is that person in your game of either whatever strategy game you want. Civ- you said civilization. Don't back away from it. When I know, we but texting, it's universal. I want specifically. Okay, so you're playing Civ and you're playing a multiplayer game with your friends and you have the one friend who's trying to go for like a diplomatic victory. This is Londo. And... You have uh, me, who is Morden, and I'm going for a military victory. And I'm bumping into your borders, and I say, hey, can I have half of your borders? And you're like, sure, I don't need these ones. Just don't attack me, because I need to move. And I tell you, sure, no doubt, dude. I just need these borders to build troops. That's fine. Not a problem. You ignore me. You leave. Five or six turns later, I have an entire army. I have moved them over to your line. You get the alert that, you know, player named Morden has attacked your colony. And then you say, what the fuck, dude? And then I've already won. Yeah. I've already, it's already turned 50 and I'm making fucking big guns, dude. You don't need, you're on rocks. I got on guns. Um, what Londo's dealings with the shadows reminds me of when my roommate, Charlie, uh, first got into Starcraft two, <laughs> he tried to teach me how to play. And so I played a game with him and our friend Arthur. Yeah. And, um, I like didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know that you're supposed to have plans for like the sequence in which you build shit and stuff like yep. that. Build order. And so I was like, Oh, I got this little base going. Um, and then they started fucking with me and like picking away at my dudes who went too far. Yeah. I got frustrated and I was like, okay. They were like, Oh, did you, do you want us to like help you out? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. And they were like, okay, well, do you want us to just like play normally? And I was like, yeah, just, just play. Like, if you're going to beat me, just beat me. And then, as if a, f- a switch had been flipped, <laughs> a, wh- a horde of, like, 200 uh, alien bug monsters uh, rolled over the hill and entirely decimated everything I owned. And it was like, oh, I was only kept alive to be useful to them. Thanks, guys. Great. <laughs> That's that's yeah. Anytime I try to learn a new fighting game and I'm like, hey, like I'm still figuring out the buttons. Can you let me try and move on you? And they're like, sure, sure. Do you want me to like play normally with you? And I'm like, yeah. And then I get like a 30,000 hit combo and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So <laughs> next game, except Londo doesn't get a next game because he's eternally doomed to lose this life. Uh, as we'll see in the next episode, also doomed, doomed to not die. <laughs> Uh, not much comes from the Endawi stuff until the end when my mind was completely blown open by uh, all of the shadow stuff. It seems like the shadows are going to take Zagro 7, which we learned is the ranger's planet. And then Endawi says, all right, guys, I learned all I need to know. Bye. Goes back to Earth. We get a cut to motherfucking uh, Geneva, Switzerland. And you're like, wait, what? This, like Earth, Earth? Like mod- Like not the San Diego wastelands, but Earth? And it's the center of Earth Force, and Morden's talking, and you're... Wait, no, not Morden yet. Not yet. He's talking to the lady. She's like, thanks for the info. 
And Dolly leaves to never be on the show again. And this lady's like, oh, Morden, thanks for coming. <laughs> Morden's just on <laughs> Earth now. Oh, no. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's Good up? Morning. Also, I brought my side cop friend. He's, this is Kevin. He's cool. Hey, what's up? Just trying to sort of rig elections and, you know, conquer the world through a uh, fear-mongering campaign and, you know, civilian surveillance. It's going to be sick. It's going to be sick. Check out my newsletter. <laughs> Check out my easy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, just this is a good way to end a season three, like an episode one. Is is this whole thing with like, yeah, the conspiracy goes all the way down, man. Like we talk about Babylon Five and it's like surrounding territories, but like Earth still is around, and people on Earth know what's up. And just seeing Mornin go, because in the same episode, like you don't think about how long travel takes, but in the same episode, he goes from being on B five to being on uh on Geneva, and it's like, bro. That's amazing. How are you traveling? What tech is that? That's 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 wild stuff. That suggests a wider world that I really hope season three continues to do. That it you know it isn't just about Babylon Five anymore because you know there's only so much conflict that you can have take place on a ship that's not designed for combat. Hmm. Uh, but to to roll it back a little bit, the Mar- the Ranger stuff. I want to ask you, what did you think about um this this Marcus fella with his fun accent? Uh man, I texted you about this earlier today. I I like him. <laughs> and I just feel guilty about it because yep. I've I've been <laughs> I've been dragging these like boring white male side characters across the coals every mm-hmm. time I see them. The Warren Keffers of the world, the Zach Allens of the world. I can't stand these dudes. And you'd think that this guy would be another one of these dudes. Uh-huh. But he's just kind of—I don't know. You know, he's a little handsome. He's definitely a little handsome. That's true. He's got long hair. He's got long hair. He's kind of got like an Orlando Bloom vibe. If Orlando Bloom wasn't annoying, yeah, he's got like a yeah, a little bit of an Aragorn. It's not just the hair though. It is the like, hello, how are you doing? I brought a big stick. <laughs> uh, Orlando Bloom was uh, like a lost dude. So. Same thing. Same thing. Not the same. I thing. really just I just destroyed myself there, didn't I? Wow. Yeah, you should cut that out. No, I refuse. I want to be owned about my Lord of the Rings knowledge. You should cut that out. Well, now I'm going to cut uh, it out because there's no singing allowed on the podcast. But <laughs> shoot, I forgot our season three rule. <laughs> no cursing, no singing. <laughs> yeah, every time we come back to the the cabin, we draw up a new constitution. <laughs> between the two of us yeah um oh my god yeah i like that i like his british accent even though i usually hate space british yeah as a like giving a space character a british accent as a default for they're someone you should respect and or they're someone who has authority yeah because that has such problematic deep imperialist roots in Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. uh but I liked his British accent. That was nice. So I don't know, man. I don't know well, it's it's specifically because like with a show like Star Trek or even Farscape, like different people have different accents. There's no universal accent. Like everybody from this place is like this. But so far, at least, every human on Babylon Five has had a very like non-accented English. Or if anything, it's like a little bit like upper class East Coast English. Like Garibaldi's like kind of New Yorkishness, and Zach and Lou and uh, Sheridan and uh, Franklin all have this like, "Hey, how's it going? My name's Zach Allen." Uh, and like, whenever somebody's from somewhere else, they sound a little different. But we've never just had like British ass British, except um, the Jack the Ripper. But that was right. like weird. Right. Even that was like weird. I guess you're right that it's not as on this show. It's weird to have British. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. So it feels like it's it's a little out of left field. I hope he gets stuff to do. I'm not going to hold my breath. I've only heard people don't like him. I've never heard people really? like him. Yeah, it's not like, again, this show doesn't, I don't think, have a Don. I've picked him as my Zach Allen. Okay, great. He's your he's your ride or die? Yeah, I'm going to. He's my day one. <laughs> like, I don't think he's a Don Summers or a, a Jahul. From, Don uh, Summers has uh, some uh, redeeming qualities, doesn't she? We like Don. No, no, we no, no. You're right. Yeah, we, we like Don. We liked Don. Okay, cool. Yeah, the the internet Buffy, doesn't like Don. The vampire uh, uh I think yeah, it's different when you're watching a show, binging it, than following it for years and years of your life. It's different. Exactly, and he uh, Jewel is a good comparison. 
not a very worthwhile character at all. Right. Um, so he he's a he's a ranger. We learned that Ivanova knows about the rangers. Everyone just knows at this point. Yeah, like, what a great scene where they're like, "Okay, Ivanova, time to lore dump," and she's like, "Oh, you mean this lore that I know?" And they're like, "Wait, where'd you know?" And she's like, "I work on the ship. You guys are very loud." <laughs> like, she says, "Like, if there was something on the sh- this ship I didn't know about, that would be an issue," which is a good explanation for why we don't need another exp- another like, you know, recap. Uh he fights off some people. He suggests he like gives, um, uh, gives Dolan this like necklace, suggesting that he knows things and that he's cool. I think it's just confirming that he's a ranger, but it's kind of like, what's this? What's the deal with this necklace? Because he mentions that it was like burned in Minbari in human flame and then like frozen again and something. And it's like, what? What are you talking about? Uh, and finally, he says, "I'm gonna show you something." At the end, we're gonna go on a space adventure, and they're like, "What is it?" And he's like. Uh, what is the line exactly? It's supposed to be really cool. It's not that cool. Oh, would you tell us what's waiting for us on the other side? And he goes, a beginning. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, bro, you're not a Vorlon. You can just you can just talk to us. You can just use words. Just because you're British doesn't mean you also have to be mysterious. That's a, that's a fraught combination, too. Yeah. It just sounds like how I talk to my Uber drivers sometimes. Yeah. Where, like, I'm just not great at uh, talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. So I'll just be as curt and vague as possible, and just completely rebuff any like question about like, oh, where are you going? You're like, oh, somewhere. Yeah. The I most mean, recent, the most recent lift I got in, or not the most recent, but a recent one. Uh, the woman picked me up, and then she was like, you know, I used to know a girl who lived around here who died. Well, <laughs> it's like, whoa! Yikes! It is six a.m. <laughs> and we're going to the airport. <laughs> please <laughs> have like one percent chill <laughs> uh, god and then so whatever uh cole takes them to the white star which is the new fancy army of light ship it looks cool it's a minbari ship the cg is bad i've been watching um yeah the cg is bad but i like the attempt at uh interesting oh definitely design sort of looks like camino it does look very Camino, yeah, 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 and everyone's wearing white, yeah. Hey, what are the aliens on Camino called with their huge necks? The Caminoans. Okay, Caminoans. I don't know how exactly to pronounce it, but that's what they're called. I like no, I like Caminoans. Um, Caminoans. Caminamino. The White Star. It's got big guns. It's a mixture of Vorlon and Minbari tech, which is awesome. Uh, and he's like, hey, use this. Oh, shit, there's a shadow right there. Everyone appropriately freaks the hell out about a shadow. Wow, that's so scary. Sheridan, we're going to open a jump gate inside of a jump gate. You're like, why would you do that? And then they say it's a bonehead maneuver, and he apologizes to Lanier, and Lanier's like, dude, no offense. Like, none none taken. It's fine. <laughs> I know my head is weird. <laughs> we're all like this. Uh, it doesn't really seem clear what the point of this jump inside of a jump is, other than, like, it's a, a quick escape. Uh, and it might damage the shadow ship because there's this moment where they're like, we can't fight it with the guns we have, even though oh, yeah, we just got the, you this cool That's ship. the point. Is Delenn saying it's impossible to destroy this thing? And Sheridan says, I can blow anything up, baby. And he blows her a kiss. And she says, okay. No, see. specifically what he says is like, she goes like, we are not strong enough to destroy this. We don't have the power to destroy this. And he's like, you know, Delenn, I've heard that before. And to that I say... No, he doesn't. It's like to that I say whatever. Like too bad. It's like we'll do it anyway. It's like no, no, no. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what? How? What? It's a bummer that they just got this cool ship and they're immediately like, no, it's not ready though. Like it's to not- that I say YOLO. Punch Yo- it, Lanier. <laughs> <laughs> Someone does say punch it in one of these episodes. I'm almost positive. Uh, no, maybe not. Maybe I was watching a movie last night that they said punch it in. I love that phrase. Uh, <laughs> not just for the Star Wars connection. And whatever, they they do the jump, it works, great job. Now there's a shadow ship that knows that they're out there. Yikes. Uh, the episode ends really weirdly. Uh, basically, Sheridan is like, all right, guys, we all don't know everything that we all know. Let's trade information. We, the Army of Light, more like America Online. Let's start a bi-weekly book club where we all read books. First up is The Fault in Our Stars. And then Franklin's like, um, I didn't read that one. Can we start with something shorter, like uh, Consider the Lobster? And it's like, no, we don't read fucking essay books here, Franklin. 
uh, we're going to read The Fall in Our Stars, and it's, we're going to have John Green on the ship. It's going to be sick. And they're, he's like, okay, guys, but what are shadows? And he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, Franklin. Dylan, can you explain shadows to Dr. Franklin, please? And she's like, um, yes, of course. <laughs> and then she spends presumably three hours over the credits. Right, it's all right, camera. You can leave. Yeah, the camera's like, I'm I'm out of here. What? No, the, sh- the episode <laughs> leaves. Uh, it's yeah i've i've left rooms like that before where it's like okay that's a whole this is a whole thing but i'm just gonna go (laughs) i'm gonna go and that's the note we end on it's like i think the morden psychop stuff would have been a cooler note to end on but yeah this is cute though delenn giving the the lore dump again i i mean it makes sense for a first episode of a season that this kind of it's one of the least egregious examples i've seen of a show reminding you of something in an obvious way yeah yeah um i'm glad they did it at the end and faded out on it instead of doing it in the middle and like actually doing it right uh and it's important that we know that everybody here knows everything like the even like them having a war council that meets every other week is like kind of funny that he says like we'll meet every other saturday and we're gonna talk about war put it into your gcals yeah (laughs) it's so it's so real (laughs) it's so like how this is done in real life um and that's yeah that's where we end up with our first episode nice it's exciting i i think this one gave me high hopes for the season so let's immediately crush those after this brief musical break. Wait, Wait. Did we get emails this week, Magellan? Let's check. Let's find out. Alan is checking the email account. I doubt that we got emails, but why not check? Who does it hurt? That beat did not work out well. We Who don't. Oh, wait, we do. We totally hurt, do. Baby. Oh, great. I haven't read this yet because this is uh over a week old. This is from Danny, previous oh, guest and longtime fan. Because uh, this was uh, a week ago. Um, this was from when we were doing the recap, and he said, "Don't read this on the recap." Oh, cool. Um, you want me to read this one? Sure. Bingo! So this is stray notes from Danny for our discussion on episodes one and two of season three. Why, hello there, he says. Welcome to season three. A little teaser of what's to come on Babylon Five season three, where you can't have nice things. Yep, great. Hmm. Firstly, a note on intros in Babylon 5. Yes, every season will have a different intro with different music, monologues, words, etc., and we'll touch on the state of, this, of each season. Personally, the season intro for season 3 is my favorite, and the line, Babylon 5 was our last best hope for peace, it failed, really sets the mood of this season and the show. Valid. I also wanted to add a little mood setter for the rest of the show. Don't know if you can remember, but Babylon 5 is set up by the structure of a novel which makes season three our point of no return. Oh, in the classic, like, five, or no. Point of no return, that's not part of the five-step thing. What's that, Hero's Journey? <laughs> it's the middle of Act Two. That's what they call it in, in Act Two. The hero must do something which he which she can't undo, which will soon plunge her into the nightmare, but not yet. That's what that's, that is. It, is. it is Hero's Journey. Yes. Um, in a three-act story, you think? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which makes season three our point of no return. So season one setting up the show, season two setting up the important questions of the show. Season three is where the story really begins to kick off. So I'll look forward to your, to your reaction to that. As for the season in the eyes of fans, you'll find that half of the fans or fan base is split up between whether season three or season four is the best season. So it'll be very exciting to see which of these sh- which of these two becomes your favorite, as both contain some really awesome episodes. Finally, season three will contain a few filler episodes, where on the opposite hand, season four includes none. (gasps) Impossible. On the other hand, season three has the best episode in Babylon 5. And for me, that episode is number one in sci-fi TV. And also some other notable episodes that you're really going to enjoy. Anyways, I'll shut up for now, as I'm afraid I will just end up spoiling the rest of the show. Cheers, Danny. Thanks, Danny. We are, you know, you got us excited. You got me hyphy. I, lo- I feel like most of these shows tend to most of these types of shows are best in the middle because then the end yeah, is I like agree. somehow messy and the like beginning is messy and then the end the middle is like oh you guys crushed it middle of Buffy best part of Buffy absolutely season five yeah I agree thanks my John for saying that season five is your favorite season of Buffy great um 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, locked it in. Yeah, you didn't give it... me time to process that. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> can hear the distress in your voice i will not let you besmirch my reputation like that yeah your reputation is what Majon? as what you're telling me that the glory season is my favorite season of buffy the vampire slayer easily and everybody who says glory is the worst villain is misogynist and wrong. do not <laughs> impugn my character by associating me with that season of television okay, fucking... there are some good episodes yeah season four has adam i know that's your real favorite I would, season i would rather rewatch season four than season five for sure, hundred percent. When? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Real quick ranking, because everybody wants to know. Is okay. a teaser for the eventual Buffy show that we do? I mean, just run it down. <laughs> run down the season rankings, bro. Go ahead. Uh, worst to best or best to worst? Worst to best. Uh, uh, one six seven five four three. Do best to worst, actually. Sorry. Three, it's easier for me to process. four, five, seven, six, one. Three, four, five, seven, six, one. Interesting. Where's two? Oh, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> two and three are like tight. So it's actually, no, it's three, two, four, five, seven, six, one. There you go. Two, four, five, seven, six, one. I just wrote those out. This is mine. Three, seven. Wow. Okay. Fair. Yeah. 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 <sighs> two. Yeah. Two, four. Yeah. Two has spike. I for you always forget that two has spike in it. It's a good spike. Like before two spike has sucks. angel. I mean, it has angels. Uh, yeah. Whole yep. shit. Yep. His whole shit. That's really what pops off in, in two. Three, seven, two, four. Yeah, five. I guess five, six, one. I guess I agree with you for some of that, and I just moved seven. Anyways, in like three years when we get to Buffy, get, uh, just send me the, the, a text that says Chats on 5, episode 26, and we'll go back to these rankings and be proven yeah. wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, regarding the email that we're reading. <laughs> regarding the email. We're, um, uh, I am excited. I do think that season three and four are going to be the good ones. I can already tell. Season three is shaping up well. It bums me out actually to hear that there's filler because spoiler alert: season two, epi- season three, episode two is totally filler. Welcome back to. Let's Chats get right into five. it. We'll be right back. The second episode we watched this week was season three, episode two, "Convictions." It was written by J. M. S. Directed by Whoa. Michael Vehar. It aired November thirteenth, nineteen ninety-five. And it takes place January 13th to January 14th of 2260. Alan, what happened in Convictions? Well, Magellan, I really hope that came up in the audio track. It did. did. A mad bomber detonates a series of random bombs, threatening the station and its population. Why is this written like this? (laughs) It actually says a mad bomber detonates a series of random bombings, threatening the station and its population. Ugh. It also traps Jakar and Malari in an elevator, and a group of monks from Earth arrive on the station. Magellan, this is a filler episode, if I've ever seen one. Although, uh-huh. although, although, uh, the monks... The, honestly, it sucks, but the monks are the most important thing out of this episode. What? What else is important? The bomber doesn't fucking matter. Jakar and Londo continue right, to hate each other. I'm going to tight five on the monks. Go ahead. Just take it away. <laughs> just explain to me why they matter at all. All right. Somebody time me. Go. So there's this guy named Brother Theo, and he goes up to Ivanova, and he says, Hi, I'm with these Catholic monks. We're all monks, and we uh, have a lot of patience, and we've been waiting hundreds and hundreds of years to do something. We're studying things. We like reading, and we memorize things really well. That's awesome. Thanks, Brother Theo. Can you guys stay on the station permanently? No, that's expensive. We can't house you. Please? Okay, sure. Hey, Brother Theo, can you help us solve this crime? Thanks. That's it. I did it. Yeah, and then, That's the monks. And so they matter then? No, but they come back. Crackers don't matter, but these monks do. <laughs> they come back? Yeah, yeah. A couple... I literally told you before the episode, you piece of trash. You tuned it out because you were talking about the monks. <laughs> Just like you always tune me out in bed. The only monk I want to talk about is Tony Shalhoub. I'll spit up here. No. I want to talk about every episode of Tony Shalhoub's monk. Starting with episode one, beginnings. I'm searching on Google Tony Shalhoub's monk. Stop. We're going to do a monk podcast next? Do we have to? (laughs) 
have we have to it's such a bad show for the first that. one's called mr monk and the candidate part oh, one i'm about to open an episode list myself this sucks this is a bad podcast <laughs> adrian monk <laughs> well, i don't know why this is so funny to me adrian monk is a brilliant san francisco <laughs> detective whose obsessive compulsive disorder just happens to get in the way i'm picking the mic a lot um so yeah, the monks—they don't matter. Who cares? Let's if just we get were, through this. If we dude. were watching Monk, and we were watching season three, the first two episodes, we would be mo- watching Mister Monk Takes Manhattan and Mister Monk in the Panic Room. Doesn't that sound great? John, last week you got us to watch a three-minute YouTube video in the middle of part two. I need to rein this in a little bit. Mister Monk Takes Manhattan is the <laughs> first episode of the third season of the American comedy drama detective television series Monk. Breathe, <laughs> I can't breathe. even breathe. In the show's 30th episode overall, the series follows Adrian Monk, Tony Shaloub, a private detective with obsessive-compulsive disorder and multiple phobias, and his assistant, Sharona Fleming. In this episode, Monk travels to New York City in an attempt to discover his wife's killer, who may solve the case of the death of the Latvian ambassador. Garibaldi tells Zach Allen to show the Drazi the missionary position... And that's not funny. I don't like that joke very much. A bomb goes off in the down below. Several bombs go off in this episode to the point where it's not even interesting at, at, after a certain point. Uh, a beard man yells stories at Lanier and he sounds like Brian Doyle Murray. That's the only note I have on the scene. Lanier makes a good joke about how he's going to die from Netter syndrome, which will kill him in seven days. Oh, he's just he's just kidding because he's being funny. I love Lanier. Uh, five I seconds. Say, I appreciated in that scene, as soon as Lanier lied, the part of my brain... Uh, that does this pushed up its glasses and went well actually when Mbari lie uh, they can't do that because and then Lanier <laughs> mumbled as I was talking to myself oh I have to do penance for that later uh, the same thing happened to me in the first episode when they met Marcus Cole in the bar uh-huh. and Marcus Cole was like here's this this drink Lanier sips it and I was like um, actually Mbari can't have alcohol because it descends them into a furious rage and then Lanier was like no alcohol in there we're good yeah the, sh- the show got your back dude they know yeah. they're smart I've just been burned before man we watched Farscape where the show it's has been very well little... documented on this show that I've been burned before by me personally yeah I put my brand into your back it's a, it's a big A just like the scarlet letter hmm you ever think about how the Scarlet Letter is like the worst if you were if you're trying to like chat the Scarlet Letter because it's all the symbolism is like really heavy handed and bad. It's like uh, yeah, A for adulterer. Wow, you did it. There was a big A in the sky. Great job, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Hey, that's bud. His that's not his imagery, bud. That's real. That's real Puritan imagery. The A in the sky? Not in the sky. Okay, I guess that's dumb. Yeah, it's just a big honking A. Lanier yeah. gets you know hit what they should have put in the sky is the watchful eyes of T.J. Eckelberg. Oh my God, that's a, that's, no, that's that's a the symbol. chunky no, symbolism. That's a symbol. Oh, hey, uh, F. Scott, get in here, get in here. I just finished your manuscript. I gotta oh. tell you, oh, a, a lot of this stuff is shit. East Egg, West Egg, Ashtown, fuck it. But these eyes, oh baby, these eyes of T.J. Eckelberg. Now that's a good shit. My wife, Zelda, said it's a good symbol. Can we keep West Egg at least? Please, guys. My wife. My wife, Zelda. <laughs> Zelda's her real name. I didn't make it up. It's the 20s. We're all really sexist. <laughs> I can't hear you talking over your legs moving around in a Charleston sort of way. I'm going to chew on this uh, this gum unrelated to the Charleston. <laughs> munch, 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 munch. If you can't tell, this episode freaking sucks. Yeah, and I was going to say, you can really graph an episode's quality by uh, the frequency with which we veer from talking about it. Veer? Veer. 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 Mr. Garibaldi. Chikar. I would like the chicken tenders, Mr. Garibaldi. <laughs> now, uh, Lado. Yeah. Ooh, that's not bad. I uh, got the mozzarella sticks. They got oh, 910 calories. You can see it right that's here. Fun. Oh, I like that. <laughs> well, we got Glenn, we, you know, we each have our we each have our impressions going here. Dylan, we're at the Applebee's and we're getting infinite apps. What are you getting? Uh, I would like the uh, uh, taco topped queso and chips. Thank you very much. 
God forbid, God forbid, God forbid I get the extra cheese on the side. Schmi John, John. <laughs> it's season three. We have two more seasons the to work on it. It's a tough one. That's a tough one to get. It is. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Garibaldi. Mr. Mi <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Me. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, before we took those three, those three or four tangents, what were we talking about? Oh, we were bombs. Just, we were just sort of talking about those monks, right? Because no, no was... monks, and then we we're talking about bombs. Yeah. Monks suck. Bombs, no one cares bombs, about the monks. Okay, Tony so there are bombs all over going off on the on the station, and uh, they were like, okay, nine times out of ten, and there's a political purpose. And then I guess the point of the episode was this is the one time out of ten that it wasn't. It's okay. Right. This is actually important. This is the only important thing I got out of this episode. Okay, great. Thanks. So, we spent the first two seasons of Babylon 5 being like, hey, this show is suggesting really cool political ideas, like the labor episode and like the different like introductions to war and uh, <laughs> having different people on the ship and Psycorp and all this stuff. It's great. And it never goes there 100%. It like gets so close and then pulls back because it's trying to tell a sci fi story. Yeah. We get to season three. We get to season three, episode one, and it's like, this is a war show. This is a show where we tried to be peaceful and we realized that peace is worthless. So now this is a show about conflict and how people live in conflict. That's what it's about. It's on the tin. You get to this episode, and they continue to hint at that. Yeah. When the bombs start going off, Sheridan says, we lock down the whole ship. Nobody's allowed to travel. Anybody who has a mysterious bag can be randomly searched and seized and put in jail because we decided to. That's how we're going to find the bomber. And it's like, wow, you guys are really, like, they're clearly doing a nod to the Unabomber and the controversy, like, American, te like, domestic terrorism. Yeah. It's 1995. That's, like, what they're going for. You right. watch this now, and it just feels like what happened to airports after 9-11. Right. I mean, it's pretty classic, you know, in times of heightened paranoia, there's heightened security that infringes on people's rights, that seems. It's kind of a recurring American story that the most recent iteration of it is, yeah, post 9-11, airports and, and things like that. And what's a bummer is the the way it's concluded is with a, a like straight lifted out of a 24 episode plot where Sheridan uh, and Garibaldi are like, where are we going to put the link? Oh, shove it up your butt. Sounds good. Like, literally, they do that. I didn't even pick up on that because yeah, I thought it was you, so Alan subtle. Didn't, Alan didn't know. But Don't yeah, tease me on the show. Please don't tease me. It's my first podcast. <laughs> Please don't tease me. referencing that because people don't know what you're talking about, and I don't want you to tell them. Can I link them it? No. Okay, fine. Everybody look up no. Green Lovers on YouTube. Just watch the video. At your Please don't own tease me. peril. I yeah, also do not endorse that link. Firmly not safe for work. Green Lovers Thanks. by Seek Animation. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's a part where Garibaldi, where the guy, uh, the bomber guy says, get rid of your link. And Sheridan's like, oh, I'll hide it under my jacket. Garibaldi's like, he's going to make you take your jacket off, dude. That's stupid. So Sheridan's like, well, where am I supposed to put it? And then he... <laughs> cups his buttocks and you know, puts it back there um and then garibaldi's like turn up the volume and we're gonna hear what you eat ate for lunch today <laughs> so good garibaldi gross. impression what does he order from applebee's no that was bad that wasn't a good one no but what does he order from applebee's he orders what it cherry had for lunch today boneless wings chicken wonton tacos check chicken wonton tacos yeah double crunch bone-in wings Alan, are you looking at the appetizers menu at, at Applebee's right now? Yes. You're like a bad Applebee's commercial where all of the friends who represent like all the target demographics of Applebee's are just smiling and naming Applebee's dishes to each other. <laughs> neighborhood nachos chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Neighborhood <laughs> nachos beef. <laughs> Taco top queso and chips. <laughs> White queso dip and chips. <laughs> the classic combo. <laughs> oh, my God. The classic combo is too. 1,260 calories. Well, it must be a group appetizer. It doesn't look that big in the picture. It's like everything. Yeah, that sounds like a group sampler. Boneless wings, spinach artichoke dip, chicken, quesadilla, and mozzarella sticks. Bro, that's exceeding the daily value of calories that you can eat for $14. Yeah, it's an appetizer. Share it with your friends. But I don't have friends to share it with. Buddy, I want it for hi, myself. Buddy. Sure. Hey, hi. We're going to record the last episode of Chats on 5 just, in We actually just ordered some Applebee's to our uh, our cabin here. Uh-huh. Here in the, the sunny Chats on 5 studios in sunny uh, downtown Vermont. Louisiana. Vermont. 
downtown Louisiana, Vermont. Louisiana, oh, you're right. Vermont. We did Vermont earlier. You're right. Yep. Uh, so it's in his butt, and then he goes to talk to the bomber, and the bomber's like, take off your shirt, take off your jacket. Then he does, it's just the, oh my God, the most bargain bin, like, I'm a crazy guy, villain stuff, ever. He does the cl- the most annoying trope ever, which is the yelling straight into whispering. Yeah. The only time I've ever seen that trope done well is Jupiter Ascending, where the one villain is like, I create life! I destroy it. And it's like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's that's fun. Silly. It's very silly. He's got the glasses. I mean, he literally looks like the Unabomber. Like, he looks yeah. like Ted Kaczynski. Um, they're not being subtle here. Why is this plot here? What I is this know. about? Like, it's supposed to say that there's chaos or that people are scared, I guess. There's fear. And, and there's a... Well, because, like, they don't make it clear why he's unhappy. Like, if he told Sheridan, like, hey, your policies led to me losing my, my life, yeah. then that would make a little bit of sense. But he's just like, my wife left me. I don't have it. I didn't have any money. I lost my job. And so I came to Babylon 5 and I hate you. Yeah. I think we kind of just demand more from this sort of plot nowadays than would have been demanded of in the the 90s uh like i think that this was maybe stale then but less stale yeah i think if we were to see this plot in a show nowadays i'd want for there to be some serious social commentary on like the way in which people are radicalized online um yeah by isis or by russia or by just donald trump donald trump or people you know not being able to have sex because they're awful yeah you know incel sort of stuff <laughs> i think there's there's like a take that can be done on this plot today um but without that us watching it today it's like this this means nothing and adds nothing and there's no plot here and it's just it's just like you said a chance for sheridan to be like big macho tough guy let me punch you in the face real hard Right, the tension comes from the timer on like, I'll hit the dead man switch and I'll blow up Babylon 5. Yeah. I was just talking about this recently with a friend. I think one of the easiest and often most effective, I don't mean to say it's bad, but one of the easiest like narrative things to uh, inject tension into a scene is limits, be it time limits or in the case of like a war show or like a like Gundam is what we were talking about, ammunition. Yeah. Like, as soon as you have finite... Because it doesn't make logical sense for a robot shaped like a person that was built with, for trillions of dollars to have a gun that needs to reload. Like, why does it need to reload? Huh. But I tell you that in War in the Pocket, a gun carries... Uh, Gundam uses a... Or a mobile suit uses a pump-action shotgun that it needs to reload, and it takes time to reload. And that's sick. Yeah. Because it adds tension to the scene, and it adds an urgency to, like, we need to figure this out. Because if this episode was just, like, Sheridan talking to this guy and being like, well, whatever, I think you're wrong, and they just talked it out, like, Star Trek style, it wouldn't work because, again, they're not going to get anywhere. They're not going to get to, like... It would work if there was substance to why the guy's upset. Right. With this character as is, you need... The only thing that adds tension is that he has a bomb. If he didn't have a bomb, it would be nothing. He would need to be a character for it to work. But, but yeah, the solution is not add a bomb. It's throw this. It's make away a character, <laughs> and let's do a different one. Or if you want to be really spicy, do both. Mm. Make him a character, and also add me the give me the bomb. I don't have a problem with like a we're gonna pull the 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 plug and blow this thing up. You know. Yeah. Uh, do you understand fear, Sheridan? It's like shut up, loser. You're not cool or interesting. <laughs> what's his freaking name it's like doug robert j carlson the least sci-fi name of all time uh whatever garibaldi diffuses the bomb and they're all happy that's so awesome lanier although he was damaged saving londo and and delen uh is in the emergency room and this kind of lets us pivot to our other b plot which is much more interesting uh while he's in uh critical condition londo comes to him and tries to thank him for saving his life and you know, makes this joke about how what's you know how many narn does it take to screw in a light bulb? One now, but back in the day, we had hundreds of slaves to screw in hundreds of light bulbs. Yeah, at our any at our very whim or whatever he says. And it's like he doesn't. No one laughs obviously because he's talking to an unconscious man, and he's like, "Oh, uh, you had to be there, bud." Like it was. I swear it's funny, and it's just it's this sad Londo, and it's just Londo realizing he doesn't have anyone to to make to yeah, laugh it's with or pathetic. It really is. It's not a good joke, Londo. Like it's just racist. It's like you're like your uncle makes like a racist joke, and like they're like, "Oh, 
you kids don't laugh at my humor anymore. You guys don't get it. Like, it's yeah. not funny for you, but it's funny for me. And it's like, no, dude, you're not. <laughs> you're not with it anymore, Londo. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really happy that we're moving away from evil Londo to, like, I fucked up and it's too late to fix anything and I'm sad, Londo. Oh, yeah. And and they leaned harder and harder into that with uh, yeah. the, the good B-plot, which is uh, yet another explosion goes off. Londo finds himself trapped in an elevator with Jakar. And this is a plot that I've literally like dreamed about being able to write. Yeah. Uh, like you get your two most characters that hate each other on a, just a basic anatomical level and you trap them in an elevator. What do they do? They can't kill each other. And it's like, that's perfect. That's so good. And they talk a little bit and they kind of just say like, man, I would like it. What it does is it serves Jakar's character to be like, Oh, this is perfect. Ha ha ha. I love this. You get to die without me getting the consequence of having to lose 500 people, including my family. This is so good. I'm really happy about this. Instead of Londo, like, courting Jakar or saying, like, we're not so different, you and I, or... Or, like, apologizing even a yeah, little bit. Yeah. I would just take... Just give me a whole episode of this. Give me them sitting down and being like, why are we here? How did we end up in this place? We're gonna, cause he says like we're gonna run out of air. They're gonna the smoke's gonna smoke us out, cause the door outside is on fire. And it's like, all right, so there's tension, but like, they're not gonna die, and we know they're gonna get out. So it's a question of like, what's interesting about them in there? Like, what's the conversation? What's the substance of it? Mm. And they, I honestly was a little bummed out, but I was a little disappointed. They didn't really do much with it. Same, same. Uh the line "There is nothing political about the truth" is fantastic. Uh, I believe Londo says that to Jakar. Um, because they're they're talking about like oh you know you're a villain you're a terrible person you know you your your whole empire is based on a lie and all this stuff yeah um but yeah just you did it and now you burned it it's sort of like how in season one you were saying that they burned a dead a dead dad plot with Ivanova because now they can't <laughs> right. do a dead dad right yeah you can't do characters trapped in the elevator again yeah and it, yeah it does it is kind of upsetting because we get the one initial scene where Londo Jakar are stuck on the elevator uh-huh. um and we see a really fun and haunting moment from jakar where he's like giggling laughing at the idea of the two of them dying there together um and then the next scene what they're like passing out from the smoke <laughs> you know we don't really see other beats of that story at all and I think that's what is kind of a letdown about it, is the plot doesn't really, not that it has to go anywhere, but I, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that I wanted to see some kind of emotional arc. And like maybe Londo gets so frustrated that he starts like choking Jakar or something, you know, and like right. cracks. I mean, them choking each other is like good symbolism and, and reminds us like that's how they, they're they thinking they're going to die. Like maybe this would have been the moment and they they get to, they almost get there. Right. Hands on each other's throat and I see you and you're the last person I see. We can like hint that that's going to happen. I think that's the thing that's frustrating to me is that Londo didn't break. In yeah, not even a little. Yeah. But maybe that'll happen later. Yeah. I just, I, I've, I've thought so much through my whole life and my whole like adult life as, as someone who tries to write stories that putting two people in, in a locked room and taking away all means of communication and ways of escape and just saying like figure it out is just inherently really interesting and like can be a great avenue for storytelling but alas um this one was just a bummer to me ultimately because like this is season three we're in the good season now why are we already on a filler episode but hopefully this is not a trend yep agreed uh so we do we do have some we have an episode that people are really excited for next week um speaking of monks um, do you want to tell the kids what we're watching next week on yeah, Chat Salon sure. 5? Just find it. Uh, next week on Chat Salon 5, we are watching. Okay. All right. Next week on Chat Salon 5, we are watching a special, <laughs> special two part episode Mr. Monk and the Candidate. Uh, huh. This is season <laughs> one, uh-huh. episode one's one and two. Uh-huh. Uh, the TV show Monk starring yep. Tony Shalhoub. So every other week we watch we watch Monk, and then we go back to Babylon Five, <laughs> and then we watch uh, Chuck, 
and then we watch Psych. Just every one word, <laughs> white guy, bad. It's an ick sound. Okay. Because the plots really start to intersect. <laughs> Monk, Chuck, Psych. <laughs> okay, Mr. Monk and the Cannon is the two-part pilot episode of the American comedy drama detective television series Monk. It introduces the character of Adrian Monk, a private detective with obsessive compulsive disorder. I have to explain this every time. Uh, okay, forget that joke. I'm done with it now. We're not watching that. We're watching two more episodes of Babylon 5, of course. Season 3, of course. Because it's the season we're watching, you boneheads. Wow, racist. Uh, I'm sorry, I called our listeners boneheads. Boneheads. The first is Season 3, Episode 3, A Day in the Strife. Bad title. Bad title. Only bad title I've seen in this show, actually. Narn officials arrive to replace Jakar. Ooh, (gasps) shit. But an alien ship threatens the station with a deadly intelligence test. That's kind of fun. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, is this the this next one the one people are stoked about? This is the next one's our guest episode. Ooh, yeah. Season three, episode four, Passing Through Gethsemane. Lita Alexander returns as Kosh's aid. A monk. God damn. <laughs> it's the it's those monks. It is A I think it is those. On board the station experiences terrifying visions. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, we're having a guest on for that one. We're very excited. Um, it's one of those episodes where I have no idea if it's actually good or if people just think it's like hinting at interesting things. So we're going to find out. Uh, I'm going to go into this with zero expectaciones. And we're cranking. We're cranking on season three, baby. Also, for what it's worth. Uh, no, I won't say it. I know later things about this season that are exciting. Um, let's take it to the plug zone, Magellan. How does that sound? That sounds great. Awesome. If you would like to contact us at the Chat Salon Studios in sunny Vermont, please send emails to chatspod at gmail.com. C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. Monk, psych, chuck. At chatspod on Twitter is where you can also get at us. And if you would like to install your little piece of the rebellion into the iTunes mainframe, please rate us on there. Rate us five stars and recommend people subscribe because iTunes is trying to mess with us and they don't want our show on there anymore. Yeah, boo. Boo iTunes. That's actually not true, but they just made some new... Them, yeah, not us specifically. About, they love us. They made rules about like how you're supposed to title things that are stupid to us. We might, we, if we're not listed anymore, if someone looks at someone and they're not listed, let us know. We're gonna, we're, we'll work through that, but it's probably one of those policies that they're going to have to change at some point. Um if you don't care about iTunes and want to just support us directly, patreon.com slash chatspot is a website where you can go and donate money to us. At $2 a month, you get commentary chats where we watch films. We're trying to record our last film commentary for February very soon. And at $5 a month, you get the bi-weekly hangout show Chats Nights, where if you like us goofing off and going on tangents, uh, the last episode was recorded at like one in the morning. So <laughs> peep that ish. But John, what is your chat sum for this week? Well, I was going to talk about some movies that I watched recently, but right before we recorded the second half, half we listened to one of two new Carly Rae Jepsen singles, uh-huh. a song called No Drug Like Me, and it was great. It's fire. So check it out. I can only assume that the other one, uh, Now That I Found You, is also really good. Going to listen to that after this, so check them out. Tunes. You? What's yours? Uh, mine are actually also music related. I have a I have like a pair of chats. I'm actually um, yeah. that I kind of want to try to tie together. So, uh, Marvel movies. John and I have been watching Marvel movies since we were in high school. Little, little lads. I've, the I, mean, M- I fell off of them after a while, but yeah. But yeah, we and and same big same. Like I, I come back and off on and off basically once every like other year, and I'm trying to catch up this year so that I can watch Infinity War two when it comes out. Uh, but related to that, um. I found out that there is sort of an MCU in the K-pop universe. Oh. Yeah. So there's a group. They're now a group called Luna. L-O-O-N-A. Uh, and they have this whole backstory to their music videos and their like debut schedule that's known as the Lunaverse. You can just look this up on YouTube and find like playlists. And it's basically just all of these music videos. Like the way they started Luna was in 2016 
they had like one member release a solo single and it was like Luna slash her name, whatever her name is. Uh, and then they did another one and then they did a third one and they said, all right, these are now a trio. And they put out a couple songs as a trio and then they added another trio and they have their own story. And then they start to imply that like the things happening in their videos are connected. And I'm going to drop a couple of buzzwords and see if it keeps you interested. Uh, dimensional travel, what? time travel, what? alternate personalities, what? meditations on love. It's really fascinating. And eventually they added a third trio for a total of nine. And at this point in 2018, in 2018 going into 2019, they debuted as Luna, the full group, which is a nine-person K-pop supergroup, and they're all fantastic. It's a really unique and creative way to like get around the, hey, it's a new group. Now we put out music and that we're just really a group. Cool. I like that. Yeah, it's like, no, we like if you've been following this for a while or you follow it now in order, you're watching them like hint at later things and characters are meeting each other in their videos, and it's like, wow, this is a whole universe. This is awesome. So check that out. It's it is they actually have compared themselves to like the MCU and the Avengers because it feels like a you know X Men meet the X Force meet the other X Men kind of thing. Um, my other this other one is just a shout out. I don't get to talk about video games very much on this podcast, but recently I've been playing this uh, the remake of Resident Evil Two, um, yeah. which is just fantastic. If you have any sort of console the playstation a computer an xbox whatever and you think i don't like horror games i know resident evil 2 is a scary game i really strongly recommend you give it a shot because it is like a panacea for somebody who's tired of games that give you everything if you're just like playing these new pokemon you know they just announced a new pokemon and you're like oh it's gonna be so easy it's made for babies it's not to say that like resident evil is like hardcore for adults but like it actually accurately mirrors the stress of living under capitalism i think and the stress to like make rent oh cool cool how can i experience that in more ways <laughs> right that's the thing is i tell people that and they're like great i don't want that because i live that but being able to cut to like carve out your niche in that space and find success in it is really rewarding because it's a survival horror game so it's like you know, I'm running forward and going through this big mansion. Oh, I don't have enough ammo. Oh, there's another zombie. Oh, they spawned again. I just need to get the key in the other room. I need to go back. And f where, where did I drop the key? Shit. Oh, I got. I wasted my knife on the guy. I can't even save here. I, uh, it, it's just <laughs> constantly. But it's like tight and beautiful and it's pretty short. And you can you, you will find success if you're just patient with it. Or if you're like me and you just sit and talk to people while you play it because you can't play it by yourself because you're a big baby. Yeah. I recommend it. I never recommend games on here. This is a this is a watershed yeah, moment. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And this has been Chat Salon 5. Peace. <laughs>